Well, hello, Henny, and welcome to episode 104 of Beyond the Weight with Henny and Sandy. Well, hello to you, Sandy. Did you like that? I, I was nice You did smooth. so well. You were like clear and fluent. You knew exact, confident even, one could say. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, I have to tell you that my arrow garden... I'm going to have to send you another picture because even from yesterday to today, like the basil, especially blossoming. Does that not amaze you though? Have you not like so much power inside of it? And when you're so used to seeing things that have already been grown, then it's, it's kind of, I remember in grade four. Oh God, here we we go. We must have had, we must have had a son. We must have had a science unit that was about like plants and growth. And yeah. I remember that as part of the science unit, we grew beans. Yes. 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 And so everyone had their own little pot with the little masking tape with their name on it. And all the pots were along the windowsill. And, and we had to, you know, every day we had to measure the stock and see how much it had grown. And yeah, I, I remember that we, we, you know, we, we didn't have pots. We had egg cartons. Oh, that's good. And you'd plant them. But I remember exactly the same thing. So obviously the curriculum had not changed much in that, that span of time. But no. I do remember. And it's it was amazing. Like you'd come to school the next day and all of a sudden it was like popped through. Yeah. Super, yeah. super cool. And there was always yeah. a little bit of jealousy because some peoples were growing faster than others. Oh. And like, why was that? And No. But there are reasons for that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's about how warm it is, how much moisture it got. Yeah. Um the quality you know, of the soil had, in the first yes, place. Maybe how hard you had planted, like pushed down yeah. the soil. You haven't letting enough air. I mean, there's, yeah. it's a very complicated process. You know, that's part of the when reason you break I it really, down. Part of the reason I don't really like to do it. That's yeah, why well. I'm so happy with the arrow garden. I just poured the water in the bucket and it just does its thing. That is so cool. So cool. I, um, yeah. We'll, I can't we'll, wait. See. we'll see how it continues. But you know what's even like really what will what will like like tickle you is uh when you can go to your arrow garden because you're like reading a recipe and it says like you can use dry or fresh and you're like well fancy that i've got some fresh herbs it's yeah. always lovely when you have the ingredients that you need yes and you know i've i've gotten into this thing where if I'm planning to make something the next day, yeah. I've gotten into this habit of like pulling out things that I'll need the night before. Mm-hmm. And so like if I'm going to make a particular thing and I need like the baking sheet, for example, I'll pull the baking sheet out and put parchment paper on it or put tin foil on it or whatever the night before. And then the next more, I think it's not so much so that I'm prepped and ready. I think it's more so that I'm committed to doing it because mm-hmm. I've already like done the first little bit. And so yeah. anyway, so I decided last night that I was going to make a batch of baked oatmeal this morning. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled a few things out. Like I pulled the mixing bowl. I put the three bananas that are like overripe in the mixing bowl. I like pu- put a fork in. I don't know. I pulled a couple of, I put a couple, like a couple of things on the counter. Right. So this morning I get up and I'm like, okay, 
I walked into the kitchen and I, and then it's all sitting there and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm making the baked oatmeal. Let's go. So I preheat the oven. I start mashing the bananas. No, you have no oatmeal? I have no oatmeal. Oh, do you have not even instant ones that you could sub in? Nothing. Oh, snap apple. Nothing. So annoying. So what did you do? Well, I covered the bowl with the mashed banana. I did yeah. my workout. Mm-hmm. I walked to Shoppers Drug Mart and got myself uh-huh. some oatmeal. Okay. Walked, walked back. Good That's why you. my hair isn't done yet because I had time to shower, but I did not have time to do my hair because I was too I busy walking, walking over to Shoppers, Shoppers Drug Mart to, to overpay for some oatmeal. I know. <laughs> I know. Isn't that the worst, too? You're like, oh. I know. But here's the thing about being on WW. Had you not wanted to go and do that, all you would have needed to do is to like Google, what can I make with two, like two or three mashed bananas? Absolutely. And what about a kajillion things? Like you could have made banana bread. Yeah. I, I don't even know how I missed it. Clearly I didn't pull everything that I needed out of the cupboard <laughs> last night because then I would have realized last night that I had no oats. But I, now I'm going to ask you in about a month how many bags of oats that you have in your cupboard because you seem to be on this like then it will be top of mind for you because, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. But like you could have maybe substituted oatmeal for um, frozen corn, <laughs> black beans easily. Uh-huh. 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 I do tend to have this problem. I think that I think that I've learned this from my dad because it's my dad who always did all of the grocery shopping in my house. And I think I've learned that habit from him that it's like, oh, I'm out of this. Let's get six of them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is what happened. You're I mean, you're teasing me about the corn because I have like yeah. four bags of frozen corn in my freezer. <laughs> so Got to use those up. <laughs> I also had like four bags of mixed veggies and three bags of frozen green beans, but like I've used almost all of those up. Yeah. I've been, I've been on a mission. I was like, what can I make with frozen vegetables? Anyway, turns out you can make a lot of things with frozen vegetables. Of course you can. And you know what, honey, I actually think we should throw a challenge out to anyone who's listening. Okay. That. This is a good time to go, if you've got a deep freeze, actually, even if you have a free, just any freezer, mm-hmm. is to go through that freezer. Mm-hmm. What is in there? If you have a deep freeze, I can almost guarantee that, like, at least 99% of you have something in the bottom that maybe you don't recognize anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or that you completely forgot that you had. Yeah. Or that it's so freezer burned that it's not even, like... My mother was the worst. Mm-hmm. She got to buy everything that's on sale. It's not a deal if you end up buying it, bringing it home, freezing it, keeping it there for six months, and throwing it in the garbage. No deal has been had. I'd rather pay double the price yeah. and use it fresh than yeah. to be like wondering, is that, what is that package of, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I just, I just tease. Just because I, I haven't I, had and you, and you are welcome to tease. You go right ahead. Um, <laughs> But you've been good, Henny, because it was a year ago that you actually did that. Yeah. And now I'm and doing so, it again. Yes. And there's yeah. nothing, truly, there's nothing in my freezer that is, like, ruined. Like, it's all right. good. 
Yeah. But but it's time to use it. Okay, so like my mom, who's going to be 74 next month, mm-hmm. has a big fridge with one of those big bottom drawer pullouts. Okay. And then a friend of hers was selling her upright freezer, and now she has an upright freezer. Did you know ground beef is on sale? Oh, they got roasts on sale. What in the bejesus are you doing? <laughs> Especially within the last year. It's COVID. You're not, yeah. No one's coming over. You're literally anyway. just making things for yourself. Poor mom yeah. being made fun of. Yeah. That's not good. Just because in case she listens. <laughs> <laughs> she might. You never know. Fun fact, my mom a couple weeks ago starts messaging me randomly. Did I say this on the podcast already? No, you told me, no. but you okay. didn't say it on the podcast. Okay. So she's, I'm, I'm at someone's house. She's randomly like starts messaging me these, these weird things. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Anyways, somehow on her iPad... She must have scrolled through where I had posted the link and she hit it. And she said, well, you were just talking about it. You and Henny were just talking about it. I'm not in your living room. (laughs) Seriously, so cute. So, so cute that she thought we were just talking live about about something. And she was privy to the conversation. It's it's adorable. Seriously. (laughs) The cutest thing ever. Tell, Tell me what else is up. Okay, well, one thing that is up that we need to talk about today is, I, I think that you listened to this podcast episode, but Brene Brown has a podcast called Unlocking Us that we've talked about before. She started it about a year ago. She started it right around the, right before the pandemic started, I think. Yeah, I think, it was and, the, plan. I think the plan was already to do that, and then it, this hit, and then it was just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, it just, like, coincidentally just, started around correct. the same time. Correct, yeah. Well, one of the episodes that she recorded was with an author, Sonia Renee Taylor, who wrote, the, who, who has written a number of different books and poetry and things like that, but the book that they were talking about, because it's a new book, is called The Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love. Mm-hmm. And... Someone was mentioning that book during a WW workshop recently. And when I saw this member had mentioned this title, I thought that is a familiar title to me. Like I have seen that somewhere. And so I thought maybe I have it on hold at the library already. And so I looked it up, but I didn't. So I currently have it on hold at the library, but like, I've heard of this, like I was sure that I'd heard of this book. Yeah in other places like like this was not the first time I'd seen this title it wasn't the first time that I'd seen the cover so I don't know if maybe I'd seen it on Instagram with some of the like the book the bookish people that I follow or I'm not really sure what happened but when I googled when I googled the title of the book one of the first things that came up was that this author had done this podcast episode with Brene Brown about her book. And I was like, wow, Sandy, we have to listen to the podcast episode. So neither one of us have read the book. Correct. But we've both listened to the podcast. So we've listened to the author talk about the book. Correct. And so I wonder if there are a couple of takeaways or things that you... Mm. Uh, we're thinking about maybe when you were listening the thing that that stuck with me was the mantra like your mantra to your body like a and and so Brene 
had said that hers is like my body is my ally, which love that. Yeah. But it got me thinking. And then I just honestly was able to just, I started jotting all of these, these things down. Wow. So, and I'm not sure like, um, you know, which, which one would stick, but I think that they, they're all very, um, uh, you know, warm and, um, forgiving and Mm. uplifting for my, for me, you know? So like my first one was like, my body is evolving. Oh, I like that. Trying to think about as I'm, you know, going through perimenopause, menopause and that, uh, Mm. my body is mine. Look, it belongs to me. I like that. Uh, It's always in motion. My body is courageous. My body has been faithful. It's my, my lifelong companion. My body is my guide, and my body is limit, limitless. Oh, Sandy, those are beautiful. Yeah, thank you. So it was, it, but I've never, I mean, I'm, I've never really, like a mantra. Some mm-hmm. mantras to me are very over, over commercialized, you know, mm-hmm. like over marketed, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Um, but, so, but I thought, you know, if I think about myself, I mean, I always thought about my own body um in the last few years especially not so hung up i i don't think of it negatively by looking and seeing stretch marks and mm-hmm. sagging and crepiness and mm-hmm. and all of those things and i'm not sure what it was that switched that right and i i i've been thinking a lot about that um and like you know, I, I listened to most of the podcast last night and then this morning and, uh, and we went for a run this morning. So that's the whole time I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, that, that maybe once I removed the weight that I was able then to see what my body could do, even though for so many years I had not been very kind to it. I hadn't fueled it very well. I hadn't taken care of it. Mm -hmm. And that the resilience, maybe that's the other one. My body is resilient. Right. Um, and it, and it's just, it's a, uh, it is a lifelong partner. I mean, it's always there with you and it still continues to allow you to get up and do things. But I've also in the last 10 years been able to do things that in my wildest dreams, first of all, I would never even have dreamt of of doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then, and then, Today, you know, comes up a memory that four or uh, three years ago that we were doing our trek to Everest Base Camp. Yeah. And I see a picture of Phil and I and I see those mountains in the back. And and it's one thing to be doing it and to see all of that. But then even to reflect and to look at it again and you just like, oh, my God, like that is so freaking amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, my my body allowed me to do that. You think of you think of some things is that. They're, they're only for certain people. They are not yes. meant for you. Yeah. They're not meant for you. And I think that maybe it's been in the last few years is there's been so much talk about body image and uh, taking the limits off of, of what people think they can do and helping people to re- rephrase that mm-hmm. to focus on you know, just allowing yourself to try to do things rather than to let other people's opinions of what they think you can or can't do keep you from trying them. Yeah. So that's, that's one, that's probably the biggest 
thing that's that you know stayed with me listening to that and i i mean it was much more because there's lots yeah lots of stuff she was unfolding there anyway yeah but Anyways. i think that was a real big piece of it right because based on like listening to these women talk about the book you know and um it sounds like the real idea is that we often you know even thinking of the title too you know we often we often apologize for things that we do or don't do or for the way that we are in the world because of the body that we're in Mm -hmm. right and and so and and I think that it comes from like you're talking about body image and things like that it comes from external pressures but then it becomes something that's been internalized yeah and until we can like get rid of that internalized sense that our body is not enough or our body isn't the way it's supposed to be or we don't exist in the world in a way that we're supposed to like until we Mm -hmm. can get rid of our own personal sense of that we can't begin to dismantle all the structures in the exterior world that are actually forcing that on us in the first place right and and so of course the discussion becomes quite large when you're talking about structures and systems in the world you know but but to just keep it small and to keep it about ourselves you know like just thinking about the way that you move in the world and the and what you believe is okay and what you believe is not and who has told you that that's okay or that that's not you know and and Mm -hmm. I think this is something we've talked about before and I think it, it it's a common theme when you're talking about people who carry extra weight that that there is a real sense of with, with, I mean, certainly there was for me that two different things. One that I had to, because my body was so large, I had to make sure that my personality was larger Mm. so that it, so that it made my body appear smaller interesting and like and I feel like because I I grew up in a world that said and a world that continues to say that that a large body is not the right body that that I always felt pressure to compensate for the fact that my body was larger than it was supposed to be by being what people wanted me to be in other areas, right? Like I needed Mm. to be funny and I needed to be affable and I needed to be friendly and I needed to be smart and I needed to be all of those things because maybe if I was all those things, then people would overlook the fact that my body wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Right. You know, and then, and so that you have that whole piece of, of trying to make yourself something so that that overcomes your body and then you also have a a a real I mean certainly I have this real tendency to try and make my body smaller like I remember like be for example being on the city bus and always sitting with my arms crossed in front of me not because I was angry but because I like I wanted to keep my shoulders in and my arms in. like I wanted to keep myself 
Smaller. You wanted to occupy some, uh, less space. Yeah, because yeah. I because somehow I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. Like I was supposed right. to not take up as much space, you know. Right. And so this whole conversation that these women have about your body not being an apology, that your body is the body that you have and that it is all those things that you said, it's, it's resilient and it's, and it's changing and it's marvelous and, you know, like, and it's powerful and it's all these things. And that however it is, if your body is those things to you, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. yeah, so it got me, it, it had me thinking about a lot of that. Huh. So I had the, I was exactly the opposite because of my body. I would, I was quiet ah. and, and I, so I didn't draw attention. Right, right, right. Right. So it felt like if I just didn't say anything, then nobody is paying attention to me. Right. And, and no one and would I, notice. Yes. And nobody would notice. So it's funny that that's we were at you know two two different ways to um you know try to fit in really is what we were trying to do yeah fit in so you know but all of I mean we often we talk a lot about or we hear a lot about the external expectations or images of what's an acceptable body shape Mm. um and I I wonder though I think and this this is this applies to a lot of things that that you know aren't that we that the balance isn't isn't is 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 out is not sh- it's not it isn't balanced sorry it's like one one side outweighs the other that do we spend too much time trying to tell people that the way we are is okay right and so that they will change the, their, the way that they behave mm-hmm. or the, what they do. Or should we just try to just continue feel and, and spend that energy on ourselves mm-hmm. and just being okay with it? And that just that power with people doing that will automatically shift things. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, it's, it's like plastics. Like if we stop yeah. buying a product, they will not make it anymore. Yeah. Instead of telling them that they can't make it and that they have mm-hmm. to change, is that doing it in a different? It's just flipping it, right? Mm-hmm. 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 And I think that that was my impression that that's the you know part of the point of this of this book, right? Because the subtitle of the book is the power of radical self love, yeah. right? And I think that's her whole thing is that now once again I haven't read it yet, so I'm just taking like I'm just gleaning information from an hour conversation, but that's my impression that this idea is really we need to focus we need to put the focus on ourselves and the way that we think and feel about our own bodies and that that will um, inform how we act in the world and that we need to start there because until we can get that under control, until we can figure that out for ourselves, there's no chance of, of making bigger, more long lasting impactful change in the world right 
Well, I mean, it's the same as, an, as anything, is that you cannot, you can, if someone has a, an opinion of something, it doesn't matter how much you try to tell mm -hmm. them your opinion yeah. of it. It's more about you need to show people yeah. Yeah. rather than tell people, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to reading the book. The listening yeah. to the conversation between uh between Sonia Renee Taylor and Brene Brown was quite enjoyable. Fascinating wow. in fact. It, so it, well, you know, what's nice is that um is that uh the, the author had no problem with uh with calling her out, calling Brene out. Yeah. Which was <laughs> delightful. <laughs> which was. Which and she she accepts she accepts graciously too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. I really enjoyed that. So, yes. so, okay. So moving from something that we haven't read, but are looking forward to, to something that I did just finish reading. And Sandy, I have to talk to you about this book. <laughs> okay. So I didn't think that I was going to be talking to you on the podcast about this book because the book's title is Irresistible, The Rise of Addictive Technology and the business of keeping us hooked. And so I thought that it was going to be a book all about the internet and your smartphones and, you know, and video games and stuff like that. And I thought, I mean, sounds interesting. I'm into reading it. Didn't think it would make it on the podcast. Well, I hmm. had barely started and I was like, I have to like, I was out on a walk and I was listening to the audiobook and I was like, I have to stop and like write some things down because I need to talk about these things with you. So the reason is because was the book about particularly the addictive nature of technology, of the internet, of video games, of, um, uh, of smartphones, of email, of like, yes, it was, but it was more actually about the idea of what addiction is and mm. then about behaviors that are addictive which, you know, makes it great fodder for us because, yes. because that's really what we're often talking about is mm -hmm. behaviors that we want to develop, behaviors that we want to get rid of, behaviors that have become like these impulsive things, behaviors that we're, you know, somewhat addicted to, right? And, and so the first quarter of the book, I would say, is really not talking about technology at all, but just talking about addiction and behavioral addiction and whether or not that, like a behavior can be even considered an addiction. Like there's mm -hmm. a whole conversation about that. So there were a bunch of things that he was talking about that were really fascinating to me. And I wanted to go through a few of those with you. So, okay. all right. So the first thing that he said that really had me interested was that he said, when you are, when you have an addiction to something and he, and he gave examples like a shopping addiction, a gambling addiction, um, an exercise addiction. Like, so he mm -hmm. was constantly giving examples of behaviors that people do in an addictive manner, meaning that they, well, this is, this is what he means. So he means that, so we, we obviously we want things that we like and we want to do things that we like. That makes sense, right? We do the things mm -hmm. we like to do. 
but he said when you are addicted to something he's like we want to do that thing even though we don't like it yes but the want to do Hmm. the thing overrules the fact that we don't like it and as soon as he said that my brain just went ding 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 like I was like this Hmm. is Every binge eating episode in my entire life, this is not a fun thing to stuff your face and to feel so full and unwell because you've just eaten so much. And yet, and in the moment, I know that this is not going to feel good. It doesn't even really feel good now, but here I am like mowing down on whatever it is. And yet the... But, but that's what he's talking about when he's talking about addiction. He's like, when you are addicted, he's like, you, you want to do the action even though you don't like it. Hmm. That was wild to me. And like, and he talked about other examples too, like, like maybe smaller examples, like, like the example of biting your nails, mm-hmm. which was also something that I did. Mm-hmm. addictively for years. Me too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and like, and this is also another thing, like there is nothing fun about biting your nails. No. <laughs> like, it's not like, mm, you know what I'd really like to do yeah. right now? Have some nail. On my finger, you know, like that is not a fun thing. And yet for years and years and years of my life, I did that like um, compulsively. Yeah. So, so that's how he describes addiction. And so he said, if you understand addiction in this way, he said, any behavior could potentially be addictive. But isn't addiction really a sign or a, uh, uh, it's a sign of something else, right? It's a compensation for something different or to soothe yourself from something mm-hmm. else like the biting of the nails does yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I think it often can be. Yeah. I think it often can be. Yeah. The other thing that was really fascinating to me was you know, cuz he did, he talked a little bit more about like what is addiction actually. And and he said there's a lot of science out there that says that there is something genetically based about an addiction. Like there are certain people genetically who are more predisposed to addictive behaviors than others. He's like this is something that science has has um shown again and again. He's like but environment plays a huge role when it comes to addiction. And he said, perhaps even a larger role than genetics. And so he gave one very specific example, and then he went back to it a few times. And so the example was this, during the Vietnam War, a huge percentage of American soldiers in Vietnam became addicted to heroin while they were over there. And this is a well-documented thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what science has shown with a heroin addiction in particular is that usually, like typically 5% of heroin addicts are capable of overcoming their addiction. And so the United States was very concerned about what was going to happen with all of these American soldiers when they came back from Vietnam 
that like the American government thought that they were going to have like a heroin crisis in the United States because you were going to have all of these soldiers who are currently addicted coming back to the United States and then continuing to have to feed this addiction. Well, 95% of the soldiers who came mm-hmm. back to the United States, it was like the addiction was over. It was done. Yeah. And he said it's because of the en- the environment was completely different. The people they were around were different. The environment they lived in was different. The tasks that they were doing from day to day was different. Like everything about their life was so completely different that the addiction simply ceased to exist because they removed themselves from the environment that brought it on in the first place. Yeah. So, okay. I, I'm shit nodding and it's not surprising because I'm listening to Hooked by Michael Moss. Okay. Same study. Exactly the same conversation I just heard yesterday. But the thing that, that he talks about is that it was also the availability of the product. Yes. Yes. So they took that away. But same thing, Vietnam, heroin, they use the same example. So it's the yeah. same study. He's all, They were obviously, both of these authors pulled from. But it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. That is, yeah. To me, it's, it's yeah. because it makes so much logical sense. Yeah. And like, and you even think like when you're thinking, like when I'm thinking about um, food, and you know healthy choices and unhealthy choices and things like that like for me what's what's the easiest thing to do to keep myself from eating something that i that is not particularly healthy for me just don't have it in the house (laughs) you know like and so that is the easiest thing like remove the availability take it out of your environment environment and then you don't have to worry about it yeah. You know, now if it's something that has to be in your environment, then it's like, okay, so then what can I do? I can maybe keep it in a place that is hard to get to so that it's, a, you know, I have to think about it a little bit before I get there. Mm-hmm. I could maybe build some other, like build some other systems in my environment. So I could have like, you know, a bowl of grapes sitting on the counter so that the first thing that I see isn't the thing that I that I actually don't want to get, but it's something else. And you're like, there are ways, and we talk about this in WW all the time, about setting your environment up for success, right? So this was really speaking to me. Yeah. Um, He talks about in the book, he talks about this idea of behavioral architecture. So he's like, you have to redesign your environment. So you Mm -hmm. have to be your own architect and put your environment together in a way that you know you can be successful. Yes. And so he also said, you know, that when you, when you have a behavior that you're trying to change, suppression, and this also was like such a WW, uh, you know, mantra, really, you know, suppression, he said, is never the answer. He Mm. said, if you just say like if you just say no if you just say no to something he's like that is never going to work um because you you can only say no so many times he's like you he said you you cannot suppress an addiction and just say okay and it's over he said the the first step really is to work with distraction 
So mm. instead of doing this, I'm going to do this instead. So, you know, in, well, like with, like with the food, instead of ordering takeout, the minute I get home and I decide I'm hungry, I'm going to have a bowl of fruit salad or, you know, like, like whatever, or yeah. instead of, um, you know, watching three episodes of something on Netflix in a row, I'm going to watch one and then get up and go and shower or like whatever it might whatever. be. You know, like yeah. it's, it's replacing that behavior. He said, you need yeah. some sort of a distraction to replace the behavior. Now, he also said, he's like, you have to be careful with that because sometimes what happens is you replace one yes. addictive behavior with another. Yeah. And so yeah. that can be, you know, dangerous but so he said that also is not in and of itself the answer he's like but that can be a step towards something positive yeah and then of course ultimately his his real thing is this behavioral architecture where you are being uh the person who you know the architect who's building your environment to to really match exactly what you need yeah and and i mean just as you said, it's so we've talked about a lot of these pieces in in WW. Mm-hmm. Um, when you said the suppression never works, it's I mean that is sort of coupled with willpower, right? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So, um, and then the the architecture, the architect, sorry, of your environment is. You know, the one thing, and it, it, I, you hear it often from people, I, you can read it on like Connect or, or mm-hmm. whatever, and it's really reality checking the, I'll, I can't not buy this or have this in my house because of other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes there's a reality that is, that is yeah. the actual reality yeah. of what's happening, but sometimes it's not. It is the excuse to yes. still have it there and then try and rely on your willpower or that need to sort of suppress mm-hmm. those, that, that desire to want mm-hmm. it. And, you know, nine times out of 10, you lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give in, right? Because you can only do it for so long until it's just, I need to do it. Um, but I like that whole architect. And, I mean, it, like you said, it's, it's, you don't want to replace one thing with another that is, you know, continuing on in a, you know, not a healthy manner, but mm-hmm. it's little, little bits at a time. And when you do, if there's other people in your life and you do those things, small little bits, they don't, and no one else really notices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's only when there's those radical changes that it disrupts everyone. And then not only are you trying to, to become accustomed to it, but you also have all of these external people who are throwing things at you mm-hmm. and then trying to have the willpower to continue on what you really want. And then what happens? <laughs> we just, we, we just bow down because it's too hard. You yeah. know, it's too much yeah. for us yeah. to do. Yeah. So yeah, the, the whole thing implodes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, so now I have to, you know, put that book on hold, but then, you know, then I have 500 books that come up at the one time that I need to. <laughs> I know, that's always the case. Okay. So there was one other part of the book that I wanted to share with you because there was a section where he was talking about 
setting goals. Yeah. And it was so interesting because he actually was like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know as setting goals is really the answer. And I was like, what do you mean setting goals is not the answer? Like, we should always have like a little goal. Like, what what's the thing I'm going to do this week, you know? And, but what he's talking about is exactly what we know to be true. That when a goal is, when a goal is like a milestone, that could be dangerous. Yeah. When a goal is a behavior that you want to do or you want to try, that's what's motivating and helpful. Mm. And so he had a couple of things that he was talking about. So one was that he he was um, talking about another person who is the author and cartoonist of Dilbert. Do you know the yep. cartoonist? Gilbert. Okay, yeah. so mm-hmm. the the cartoonist Steve Adams is the guy who who has created Dilbert. So he says, "Live your life by systems rather than mm-hmm. by goals." So a yeah. system is something that you do on a regular basis that increases your odds of happiness in the long run. Oh, I like that. Right? And so it like wasn't that. about setting a goal like a target to hit it was about setting up a system in your life a series of things that you're going to do that are ultimately going to increase your odds of happiness Mm. rather than this idea of oh I'm going to lose X amount of pounds. I'm going to do this number, this number of minutes of this. I'm going to, you know, like rather than setting targets like that, because he said, if you live your life setting targets, you will constantly be in a state of failure because you're never at the target. And then, and then even if you do hit the target, what's the first thing we do when we hit that target, we set ourselves another one. Yeah. Or in the case of weight loss, you meet the target and then you're like, okay, well now what? Yeah. Right. Because that's not really a helpful way of uh, training our brain, of managing our our lifestyle, of managing our behaviors. Right. Because Mm -hmm. we're not meant to, uh, we're not meant to get to a point and then that's it. Like we're always meant to be moving and, and, yes. and developing and changing and, um, yes. you know, headed somewhere, right? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. I mean, the other thing is that when you have systems in place, you actually get to enjoy the benefits and the, the fruits of the changes that you make along the nice. way. And when we set ourselves a target, we, it's, oh, it's like a job and we never enjoy the whole journey there or acknowledge things. You know, the one thing I always think about is um, if you, whatever amount of, I mean, our bodies are always changing for many, many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And as you may have removed 20 pounds at one point and your body looked a certain way, but then you remove it five years later and the, the weight doesn't come off in the same place. Mm-hmm. The body's elasticity changes. Mm-hmm. So, if you are not comfortable with like looking at yourself and noticing the changes, the subtle things that are happening, no different Henny than your arrow garden. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. It doesn't happen as fast as that. But if you don't start watching as things are changing, yeah. you will get to a point where then it will be, I thought I was going to be so happy at this point, but now look what the what I'm left with. Mm-hmm. Instead of acknowledging and seeing those things as they subtly mm-hmm. come across and and being grateful and at peace with, mm-hmm. with that. Well, yeah. and if you ascribe happiness to a certain thing, yeah, that's always going to be a problem, right? Like I, I think you I think it's really dangerous to think, well, once I remove X amount of weight, I'll be happy. Well, yeah. once I make X amount, um, X amount of dollars, I'll be happy. Well, once I have X amount of children, I'll be happy. Like, like none of those, if, if you're not happy now, it doesn't matter what happens in the next five hours, five days, five weeks, five years. Mm-hmm you're still not going to be there. Well, but that's because we, we, we tend to blame that one thing that we want to change is that that is the reason why all of these other things are happening. And, and when, and you're right, if you don't deal with what's really behind all of those things, then when you remove the weight, they become even bigger. You know, they're harder to, to, because you have nothing, you don't have that, you know, to, to blame it on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a, there's a lot of things. And I think it's, it's interesting that, I mean, even for us to discuss it is that there does come a point, I think that you, you do start changing the, your thoughts and that you forget sometimes how you, like where you were at a different point. Like yeah. I can think about, you know, when we're, you're bringing things up today and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But when I was at that point in my life, yeah. it was so devastating or mm-hmm. it was just all encompassing. And I was reminded about the whole, like you know, thinking about or looking at your body and, and seeing those changes because... Um, my son is, has, has removed about 85 pounds in the last year and a half. And, um, and he, you know, said to me recently, it's like, like, I, you know, I've got all the, like, I thought I've got all this excess weight, like this thing. And, and he said, but I didn't, you know, I didn't work this hard to lose all this weight to be left with this. Like, I'm not, <laughs> but what do you, but what do you say? I mean, it's like, yeah. Those are the, those are the conversations or the thoughts that, you know, had you known, like not him, but had we known, yeah while we were abusing our bodies, yeah. you know, that yeah. we don't, we don't, we just make an assumption and, and he's young, right? He's, yeah. he's, he's 30. And I said to him, you know, kid, it's some people do, some people don't. It's about, and, and men are different than women where you mm-hmm. carry it as different. You know, there's so many, so many things that come into, um, into play. It's not mm-hmm. just about, about, the, the weight necessarily. I mean, there's, but, but I mean, you, you can't say, well, I'd rather be carrying all that weight than to have this, you know, like that's, and it, I mean, I guess you can, like maybe you do. Yeah. Maybe. I don't. 
No. I don't. No. I mean, the, you know, the inner tube that currently circles <laughs> my, <laughs> my under belly button area. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, do yeah. I love it? No. Do I wish it were gone? Yes. However, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish to put the weight back on just so that it filled out. Filled, yeah, I was going to say, not that it disappeared, but filled, yeah, exactly. Just so that it was inflated rather than deflated. No, thanks. Yeah. I'll but here's the thing. Later. But it could, and that, like, you could put the weight back on and that would not inflate. Like, you may oh. create. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And have double tubes. <laughs> You could be like, you know, like, you know, what, like you give to like toddlers, the first yes, thing. The stacking ring. Yes. <laughs> that will be, that will be my body. So I just have to keep that in my head. Do I want to be a stacking ring toddler toy? No, thank you. <laughs> I would rather be as I am now. <laughs> funny though like just thinking about um you know needing needing to be happy along the journey and needing to find value and to, and to find fun yeah. you know as you're as you're working toward whatever it is you're working toward whether it's weight loss or something completely different you know and and how important that is and like mm -hmm. i just think of how unhappy I was with my, with my weight and with my body prior to joining WW the last time, like for months leading up to joining every time I had a conversation with anyone about my weight, I cried every mm -hmm. time. Like as soon as it was mentioned, I, I was in tears. Like I was just, and so then I'm thinking, but like, was I like, what, what was I so unhappy about? And you know mm. what I think I was so unhappy about? And I only maybe just realized that today, now that we're talking about this, I think I was so unhappy with the fact that I was eating in a way that I didn't like, but I was doing it obsessively. Mm. I think that's what was so upsetting for me was I mean it wasn't the it wasn't my body actually like it was it was my body secondarily but I think primarily it was the fact that I was eating in a compulsive way that made me feel both physically and mentally uncomfortable but I kept doing it right. and it was so maddening I think, I think that's why the whole thing was so upsetting. And then it, it showed itself in, in yeah. my body, you know, yeah. as, as it would if you <laughs> ate that amount of crab all the time. <laughs> but, I think, but I think that's what it was. Like, I think that's why I was so, yeah, I think that's why I was so upset because I was sad that I was doing it. I was mad at myself for doing yeah. it, but like also just couldn't like I felt like I couldn't help it huh. you know yeah mm. I had a I don't know if it was last week hmm. we went out to eat no or we were eating something and I 
I had overeaten and oh yeah, it was, we, it was, yeah, we were out and I have not had that feeling for so long where I felt physically uncomfortable and I thought, gosh, this was like a normal state for me. Like this was like every single day, you know, yeah, every single day. And it was a, it was a good reminder to be like, you know, I knew that I was, I was eating, but I just kept eating it. I, I, and it's, it's been fresh in my mind now, so it won't happen, you know, for the next for the next until the next time it does that's it until the next, <laughs> because i'm yeah. never gonna say it's never gonna happen because it will happen 100 yeah. percent. yeah before we wrap up can i just I, i'm just going to um throw it out there because i just want to say how unhappy i am about this new ww360 oh. and the fact that they have these three coaches that they have chose and um of the three, I know that one of them actually actually is a WW coach and member. They all say they're WW coaches. So I, you know, I look and, and in the video, there's running over a bridge. And then I did message you and say, hey, that looks that looks like the Beltline, yeah. the Beltline bridge. And you said, yeah, it is. And I went, oh, maybe it's not. So then, you know, I had to link to see. And then all I saw was this guy's like an Instagram influencer like mm-hmm. he's from Toronto I'm like he was never a WW coach in Toronto I would know if he was a yeah. WW coach in Toronto because when I was working for WW I was in the same area and I know it's yeah. been two years but clearly pretty sure because he's kind of cute I would know who this guy is <laughs> I yeah. tell him that okay yeah yeah Henny I'm gonna say that rots my crotch yeah I'm just gonna put it out there <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's my gears and I don't, you don't even have to say anything because you're still employed. I am no longer, I can freely say whatever I feel like saying, but it really, I understand that there's an attempt to, to, I mean, it's a company at the end of the day. I get that. I yeah. understand hundred percent and that they have an obligation to try to, you know, um, obviously they, and, and the need to, to gather new followers, uh, new members, paying mm-hmm. subscribers. Mm-hmm. However, I just feel it goes so far from what the heart of WW is. It looks to me like Noom. Just going to say it out there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, it's just rotten my crotch. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Call it. Yeah, BS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll be, I'll be interested to hear, like, if someone has had experience maybe in the States with this um, type of personal coaching or if someone who's in Canada uh, gets a membership with, like, with the, the WW360, like, to try it out, like, like, I'd be interested to hear what that experience is like, because I know nothing about it. Um, it's almost like it's, it's a completely different branch, you know, like, there's, there's WW with the, with the workshops, and then there's this new digital 360 thing. And so I know nothing about it. Um, so I, yeah, like, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of curious, just because, you know, it's different and it sounds exactly like Noom and, you know, maybe it's appealing to that 
target market, you know, that demographic that, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, that what we're doing in workshops isn't appealing to. And, you know, if, if yeah. that, if that's what you're out there for, like if that's what you're looking for, if that's what works for you, I mean, I think it's great that you're going to find something, but you know, I rather you come and see me on a Saturday morning at my workshop. <laughs> and this is the yin and the yang of Henny and Sandy. <laughs> um, though I think that the thing that really, really bothers me more is that yeah. he's gone through some sort of training and now it has the same, it's, he's still a WW coach. And to me, WW coaches, WW employees, for the most part, have always worked through, like they have actually been members first. Yes. And so I, and I, I will say that I don't know what his story is. I do, I mean, I see whatever's been curated and it's a very curated personal um, Instagram account. Yeah. That he is a Blue nurse. certified. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. That means that you're you're you have some notoriety in the Instagram world or in the pop culture world. And so your account has been verified so that people know that it is actually you and that it's not someone just using your name. Okay. And so he is a nurse. He is live in Toronto. And when you I looked at all the marketing thing, he's he is he sells a lot of stuff. Yeah. He is his he is like Centrum multivitamins, like all kinds of stuff. Anyway, anywho, there, I've got that off my chest. <laughs> I'm so glad that you did. <laughs> and I think if something tells me that the people who are listening to us prattle on every week will also appreciate that you said your piece. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just had to, you know. I mean, I said something to you and then I was like right on Kelly because I'm like... Well, because I love you <laughs> this, both, but um, you know, needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is this about? <laughs> and then I said, sorry, just a little cranky pants over I here. Mean, and I was like, the truth is, I can't really tell you anything about it because nothing's been communicated with us. So yeah. I, Which, I don't, I don't, I, I know as much as you. Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so Sandy, you threw out a challenge to our listeners at the beginning of the episode that. They should go through their freezer, whether it's a fridge freezer or a deep freezer, empty that sucker out, use yep. up the stuff that's inside, mm -hmm. start fresh. Yeah. So we're going to throw that out. Yeah. I want to share with us what is the thing that you found yes. in there that you most surprised about the oldest, like, shock us. plentiful. Yes, if I you have really an obsession or an, 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 a, a <laughs> your impulse buy. I was really surprised that I had like four bags of frozen green beans. So why? strange. Why? I don't know. I also had, I also have like three boxes of turkey burgers, although I know why I have those because my dad gave them to me. And he was like, Hey, do you want, do you want, do you want some turkey burgers? And I was like, Oh yeah, I'd love a few thinking that he was going to give me like, a few cooked turkey burgers. No, no. Three boxes of frozen <laughs> turkey burgers. And I mean, they're delicious, but like, what am I going to do with three boxes of them? Anyway, correct. Well, oh. that could my, be a challenge for you, Henny. My dad's so lovely. You know, 10 ways to creatively <laughs> serve up turkey, turkey burger? burgers. Turkey burger? I mean, 
that might you know. be next on that might be next after <laughs> after the baked oatmeal <laughs> that might be next on the docket <laughs> all right sandy it was an absolute delight chatting with you as it always is uh, ditto ditto my friend all right so everyone have a fabulous week thanks for listening uh if you know anyone that also may enjoy um you know a little little fun uh a little info then please um share the podcast with them uh, otherwise we will chat with you all soon all right bye, bye.